Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for just how faithful you have been. We can stop and remember that, even in the words that we, we sang earlier. God, you've been so good. Give us eyes and ears now just to see your goodness. Not just the circumstances and how you bless us or how you have rescued us, but Lord, looking to you, God, and your character and who you are. Will you reveal that self, yourself to us as we look in your word? Will you reveal uh, your voice to us too, that we may hear you clearly? We pray this all in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey guys, uh, glad you're here. Uh, if you're joining online, again, I'm just going to extend another welcome. Thank you for joining us online. We're in the series called Adrift. This is actually the last sermon in the series, uh, the Adrift series. And it's focusing on the theme of hope versus hopelessness. Hope versus hopelessness. And in the previous sermon, we looked back that we looked that to move forward with hope, we need to look back to the resurrection of Jesus. To move forward with hope, we look back to the resurrection of Jesus because there we find our identity of who we are. We are made a new creation in Christ. We have a Father who loves us. We have a new power that is given to us, the Holy Spirit, that allows us to get through the trials that feel hopeless. And, at, and as a result, he starts to strengthen our faith in the midst of that. Well, we also use then an illustration to illustrate this uh, moving forward with hope by looking back to the resurrection and anchoring ourselves to that, those promises and truths that we find in the resurrection. We used a navigational buoy. We talked about how a navigational buoy is used for ships, and it even though it gets tossed and, and beat around by the waves, you know that it will stay there because it's securely anchored to the ocean floor. And the same is for you and I to have hope being anchored to Jesus and what he's done for us in the resurrection, reminding us of our identity and who we are in Christ. Well, I want to talk about in this sermon being anchored in a different sense. Being anchored in a different sense with your eyes anchored to the horizon. Your eyes anchored to the horizon and anchored to Jesus and the future of what is to come. His return. Kind of like how a lighthouse serves the sailor in this way. How many of you have been to the Barnegat Lighthouse in LBI? Right? One of my favorites. Love being there. If you haven't been there, I mean, come on. You're not a new, true New Jerseyan. You have to have visited the Barnegat Lighthouse. But lighthouses are not in use today. They, they use GPS, ships and things like that. But a lighthouse back then was served the sailor to let them know that land was near, especially at night, and also to shine if there's dangerous waters ahead or dangerous items and objects in, as they get closer to land. And it's warning them what's around them and where the land is and showing them that land is in sight. And the same, I want to use this, this illustration of a lighthouse, of anchoring our eyes to Jesus and his return. And this is what actually Peter is calling the Christians that he's writing to, the churches that he's writing to, to do as well. 
Not just look back to Jesus' resurrection, but look to his return and look ahead to his return. You see, the multiple churches he's writing to are in the Asia Minor, and it's a circular letter going around to these churches, and they're facing harassment and persecution. They're feeling hopeless. They're going through some hopeless trials. And he reminds them again, not just to look past, to the past of what Jesus did in the resurrection, but look forward to his future return, the look ahead. Verse 13, it says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's talking about there is the future return of Jesus. Set your hope fully on that, on what the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus. But ask yourself, how often do we do that really? Right? If we're honest, let's all be honest. How often do we actually look to Jesus' return when we're going through some troubling circumstance, some trial, whatever it may be, cancer, marital problems, kids, whatever. How often do we look to the return of Jesus to help us get through what we're facing in the present? How often do we actually do that? Instead, we have our eyes anchored many times, and I do it myself, on our present circumstance. We look at what's around us and it clouds our vision of what God may be wanting to do even in the midst of that. Or not just some of you just stuck on the present circumstance, but some are stuck on the past. And how you approach the present circumstance is because of some event that happened in the past. You're living the present through the past still. And you're stuck there. And you can't shake those things off. Maybe it's some past event that has, has, has led to shame. Maybe unforgiveness of someone that has hurt you, that has wronged you in some way. Maybe some trauma. Maybe it's just even just your family upbringing and the way your family was raised. How often have many of us used, well, that's just the way I am. I'm not going to change. And some of us, our family upbringing still affects us from the past in the present. And how we approach even trials and situations that are hopeless. Kind of like, we act like the the lady from Great Expectations, Miss Havisham. How many read Great Expectations? I didn't think that many now, because I don't even know if they require it in school anymore. But Miss Havisham, if you don't know who she is, spoiler alert, uh, not much of a spoiler alert, but... She was supposed to be married. She was supposed to be married. She was a daughter of a wealthy man. And on her wedding day, she receives a letter from her fiancé that he is not coming and he's not going to marry her. In fact, he finds out, she finds out that he was duping her to get money. And so she receives this letter at 8.40 a.m. And so what she ends up doing is stopping the clocks at 8.40 a.m. when she received that uh, letter. And she spends the rest of her life in her bridal dress with one shoe on because that's what she only had on at 8.40 a.m. And she leaves the cake, the wedding cake, on the table, letting it rot. She is stuck living in her past, not in the present or future. And some of you are like that. You're still living in the past, your present life. You're still letting those things from the past. And it has such a strong grip on your life. It's become a stronghold. So how do you move forward then away from the past? 
How do you move forward and away from the past that can leave you feeling adrift or hopeless? I think it's here what Peter encourages us to do is to move forward with hope in the present. We need to look to Jesus' return. We need to look to his return. Because what do we find in his return is a few things that Peter wants to point out here. Is first, we look ahead to our future transformation. When you look ahead to Jesus' return, it gives you hope in the present because we know that one day we will be transformed, fully changed. Look what Peter says. Again, let's look at verse 13. He says, Therefore, I'll stop right there. Remember, when he says therefore, whenever you see it in Scripture, he's basically saying everything I've been saying. Okay, now, because of all these truths, this is what I'm, I'm asking you to do. He's saying, therefore, based on what I said earlier about your faith being tested and strengthened, when a trial feels hopeless, knowing that you have a living hope through the resurrection, you have an inheritance, he says, do this. Prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully. That means bringing all your mind, your heart, your soul, fully, all of yourself. Not a divided self, but all of yourself, everything you have. Set your hope fully on Him. This doesn't maybe happen just in 10 seconds, but it may happen over a couple days that you need to do this, or a week or a year, but set your hope fully. He's encouraging us. Set your hope fully. Look to Jesus' return. The revelation of Jesus Christ when he is revealed in his return. But look what it says specifically, though. Set your hope fully on what? The grace that will be brought to you. Now, what grace? What grace is he talking about? Yes, certainly the grace of forgiveness of your sins, where the penalty of your sin has been paid for by Jesus on the cross, in your place, condemned for your sin. Certainly that grace, and certainly the grace of giving the Holy Spirit and the, the power of sin broken, and the Holy Spirit to bring that transformation in the present, but also what he's talking about is the grace connected here when Jesus returned of your full transformation from the presence of sin. Fully transformed. Well, there will be no more sin, no more bad habits, no more bad attitudes, no more uh, lashing out at someone in anger, no more cranky kids. All that one day changed. Fully free from the presence of sin. This transformation. Your holiness. Your sanctification. But does that mean that we just wait and do nothing until that day when he returns? Do we just do nothing and just wait? No, he, he wants us to cooperate with him. He wants us to roll up our sleeves and partner with him. Because that's what he wants to do in us until his return. Paul was writing to another church, just like Peter is, where they were kind of, actually, they were waiting for the return of Jesus, and they were thinking it was going to happen anytime soon, just kind of waiting around and doing nothing. But he says, no, do something, because this is the will of God. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
That's God's will for you in the present until it happens fully when he returns. And Peter is saying the same thing here in verses 13 to 16. As he says in verse 14 this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying don't conform yourself to the old way that was you. You have your new creation in Christ. You have a new power of the Holy Spirit given to you. Don't live that old way again. Turn to Jesus. Live the new way, the way of Jesus. And he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What does it mean being holy? It doesn't mean in the way that our culture often uses holiness of being self-righteous and kind of one-upping yourself over another person and condemning them and looking down them. That's not what he's talking about here. Often in culture, we use it in this slang way of saying, oh, you think you're just so holy than me. That's not what he's talking about. It's a much more beautiful picture here of what holiness is. It means to be set apart for God. And allowing him to do that inner transformation in you so that your actions and motives are pure in love like God. A character transformation from the inside out. Because this is what Jesus wants you to become. As he declared over you that you are righteous in his sight as he paid for you your sin on the cross and gives you his righteousness, I mean, his record of all good deeds, and you know full well you have not done any of those. You know we've done wrong. He gives that to you. He says, you are righteous and holy, so you could be in the presence of God. He says, I declare that over you, and now I want you to become that which I've declared you to be, righteous and holy. That's my will for you, your sanctification, your transformation, to become what I declare you to be. It's kind of like this one scene in The Lord of the Rings. How many have seen Lord of the Rings? One of my favorite movies. You see the Shire up there. I don't understand how that, that house doesn't get just destroyed by termites, but it's pretty cool looking. And there's this one scene with Elrond. He was an elf. He's lived for like thousands of years. And he confronts Aragorn, who comes from a lineage of kings. But he's afraid to do the same mistakes of the kings before him. And Aaron tells Aragorn, who's been living like a wanderer, not taking up his mantle of who he is, and he says, become who you're born to be. Pick up the sword. Become who you were born to be. And the same is what we're being called here to be holy because he is holy because this is what he wants you to become. This is his will. Now, how does this even give you all hope? You know, what's the point of this? How does this help you move forward with hope knowing that this is a promise of your future transformation and that this is what Jesus wants to do in the present right now in you until that day? How does that give you hope? It gives you hope in this way. That you can know that God is using all things. The good things, the mountaintops, and the valleys. The trials in your life. That he's using all things to make you into a stronger and purer holy person. 
Because when that happens, you are able to handle the trials that come in your life. The next one and the next one that might be even bigger than the previous one. It's almost like your holiness and your transformation is like the shocks on a car. Like right there, you'll see a picture of a shock. That's actually from my truck. I didn't want to show you the picture of my truck because if I ever cut you off, you're probably never going to listen to the rest of the sermon and be mad at me. Uh, so that's, a, that's the shock on a truck. And if you know anything about this, if there's no shocks on a car or a truck, it doesn't matter what kind of automobile it is, if there's, if there's nothing there and you go over a bump or rocky terrain, it damages the body. It damages almost everything in the car. The shocks absorb the rocky terrain, absorb the uh, bumps that you go over. And your holiness and your transformation are like shocks in the car. Helping you to face that trial, to absorb it, and know how to face it. So how then do you cooperate with God's transformation? In the midst of trials that could feel hopeless, how do you cooperate and find hope in the midst of that? Verse 13 is how we do it. That first clause there that you might have thought that I skipped over, it's telling us how we set our hope. It says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. This means having perspective of seeing what God is doing in the midst of this. It means asking questions. It means being self-aware of even what are some of the pitfalls in your own heart that is contributing to this situation or how you're feeling. It's asking why. It's asking what, what am I feeling. It's asking what am I thinking. It's taking time to process with God and do the soul care work that only God can do in you. It's kind of like what the psalmist says in Psalm 42, and I quoted last time. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. But do you notice before he talks to his soul and saying, okay, let's look to what God is and who he is and what he promises. He's asking the question, why, to his soul. He's taking time to process with God. He's saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil? What am I feeling? Why did I respond this way to this situation? What am I truly desiring? What are my thoughts in regard to this? Do you take the time to do that with God? Do you process with God? Because He will shed light. You ask God to shed light and He will share light into your soul. Very much the same way that a lighthouse will serve a sailor, just by pointing out those potential uh, dangerous areas at night. The lighthouse does that. And as we look to Jesus, knowing that he is set to return, he will shed light into your soul. That's what Proverbs says in 2027, the spirit of the man, the inner part of you, is the lamp of the Lord. Searching all his innermost parts. Do you process with God? Do you ask Him to shed light in you? Because part of looking forward, part of moving ahead with hope is doing this. Processing with Jesus. 
You can't move on without it. You can't. And so many of us sometimes, we, we just want the quick fix. Like painting over rotten wood. We don't see it, really. That's actually something that happened uh, recently. It reminds me of, uh, I'm on this project. I'm really looking ahead to when it's going to be finished with my screened-in porch. It feels like it's just taking forever. But what ended up happening after taking all the screens and looking at the wood, I found that there was rotten wood there that was just painted over. And so what I had to do was, in order to repair it, I had to first find out how much of that rotten wood I had to take out. Was everything structurally sound? I had to first figure out how to get rid of the problem. And then I also had to fix it, but then also find out, well, why was that even happening in the first place? How was water getting in there? And correct the problem from ever happening again. And you see, the same is with us. Jesus wants to do that with us. Help us examine our heart, our soul. Where is the rotten wood? Where is the things we need to give to him? What does he want to replace it with? And I think it would be a total miss in the service if we just didn't do this right now. And I just gave you time, at least if it's just a little bit of time, the process of God. Because we can't move forward with hope until you do that work and let God shine light in your heart. And there's, there's a song that's going to be sung. It's called Refiner. And listen to the lyrics of the words, what it says. It says, If the altar's where you meet us, take me there. Take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here. My life is here. And I'll be a living sacrifice for you. God's not asking you to do something for him to meet you with where you are. He's just saying, are you willing to give yourself to me? It's all that these lyrics are encouraging us to do. is to meet with Jesus. So I'm going to ask for you to bow your heads. We're just going to have this song sung over you. You could talk with Jesus, listen to Jesus. But let me prompt you with a first, uh, first a few questions. And if you're comfortable, I want you to put your hands out just above your lap with your palms down. And what do you need to release to Jesus? Is there things you need to confess? What do I need to confess? The rotten wood may be even from my past that's affecting how I live in the present. Where do I need a healing touch from you, Jesus? Where do you want to transform me? And then with your palms up to be able then to receive from Jesus what he's saying to you. So as this song is sung, let's approach Jesus and let's listen to the voice of Jesus. is where you meet us take me there 
Take me there if what you need is just an offering It's right here, my life is here And I'll be your living A sacrifice for you You're a fire, a refiner I wanna be consumed I wanna be tried by fire But you're glorified You take whatever you desire Lord, here's my life I wanna be tried by fire But you're You take whatever you desire Lord, here's my life. If your glory wants to come here, let it fall. We want it all. Your fire is consuming. Fill this place, set it ablaze, and I'll be a living sacrifice for you. Take whatever you desire Lord, here's my life I want to be tried by fire Purified You take whatever you desire Lord, here's my life Amen You know, I can't help but think that some of you probably still will need to process with Jesus. Most definitely. This little bit of this time, I hope, sets up this week for you to be able to do that. Some things that God revealed to you. And if you didn't yet, don't give up. Continue to meet with Him. And I hope that you have a set rhythm. That's what you need. You need that time alone with God. And maybe not just praying to him, but listening in silence. God will shed light. Because he not only wants to show you where he wants to transform you as you look to his return, but he also wants to show you that you have a future eternal home that gives you hope in the present. That you can look ahead to your future eternal home. Notice what it says in verse 17, where Peter encourages Christians and us. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear 
throughout the time of your exile. Now, when he says conduct yourselves with fear, he's not saying live afraid in the present. No, he means look at it with perspective. Conduct yourself with an awakening. You now could see from God's eyes of things. Being sober-minded and, and, and having your mind fully prepared, setting your hope fully, conduct yourselves with fear now that you have this new perspective on things. And as you can see what God is doing in the present, he's saying conduct yourself with fear. But notice what he says, though, in the beginning. And if you call on him as father, as father, and just as any father they're supposed to have their child at home when they're growing up. That's the same with God's heart for you. The heart of the Father is that God wants us home with Him in His presence. He gives us a glimpse of it now with His Holy Spirit, but fully one day in our future eternal home with Him, we'll be with Him. Which is why He uses the term exile. You see that at the end of that verse. Throughout the time of your exile. What is he talking about there? He's referencing the exile of the Old Testament when, when the Israelites were taken out of Jerusalem and, and taken to another empire and they're awaiting their return back to Jerusalem. And he's saying it's the same for like you and us. As we live this life now being like we're in exile and how we're waiting for a future eternal home when Jesus returns. And he's making that point because our eternal home Home is a renewed heaven and new earth in a new resurrected body in the presence of King Jesus and close to the heart of the Father. Is that a part of your story? Do you look to Jesus with this hope? Does this help you move forward with hope in the present? Because you have this perspective of seeing this in your return. How you fix your eyes on the reality that this present circumstance isn't all there is. And that your story is not over. Your story is not over. There is more to come. And that your circumstance will ultimately change one day in a promised future. It may not change right now, but you know one day it will. You have this for you. Promised by Jesus, just as the lighthouse promises to that sailor that land is near. It's near. The same is what Jesus' return does for you and I in giving us present, uh, giving us hope in the present. But let me ask you again: is this a part of your story? Is it part of the narrative of what's going on in your life right now? Is this a part of your story? Of the future eternal home that you and I have? Because you know, when people, when you see people that have joy in the midst of a trial, really hard circumstance, often it's because they have their eyes set there, their future eternal home, to give them present hope here. And I can think of no other greater example than this than Joni Erickson Tata. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a quadriplegic and she is in a wheelchair and has pain every day. But she has joy. 
And I ran across this article with her talking about this in 2017 when she was celebrating 50 years of being a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Just imagine that. And she writes this. She says, Physical affliction and emotional pain are, frankly, part of my daily routine. But these hardships are God's way of helping me to get my mind on the hereafter. And I don't mean the hereafter as a death wish, psychological crutch, or escape from reality. I mean it as the true reality. Looking down on my problems from heaven's perspective, trials look extraordinarily different. When viewed from below, my paralysis seems like a huge impassable wall. But when viewed from above, the wall appears as a thin line, something that can be overcome. It is, I've discovered with delight, the bird's eye view found in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Beautiful passage. And a beautiful story of how her trial just serves as an incredible witness to those around her and to you and I that Jesus gives hope. That Jesus gives hope and how we travel through our trials can serve as a witness to the people around us, to a world that desperately needs hope and is lost in hopelessness. Yes, they need the preached word of God, but they need with that the word lives lived out that have their hope set fully on Jesus and his return. Because what a witness that can be to people that are grasping for hope everywhere around them. And this future eternal home and transformation, I want you to know, friends, is not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking because it's guaranteed by a person by a person, Jesus Christ. You can know that this future for you in your story is guaranteed. You can know this. How do you know this? Look at verse 18 where Peter says, knowing, knowing this, that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that... Your faith and hope are in God. You can know this. If you're having a hard time just believing it because of the word that is preached to you and that is said here, know that the actions of God, that he would send his son and have him be crucified on the cross, that is God's love for you. And his promise is guaranteed. Because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. You can know this. And I think there's no better way in closing the Adrift series, focusing on hope, than to look to Jesus with hope through praise. 
But let me first ask you, where are you now? Are you in the midst of a trial right now? Are you feeling hopeless? Are you stuck maybe in the past? Which is affecting how you approach things in the present. So here's the question. Will you move forward with hope by looking to Jesus, looking ahead to Jesus' return? Knowing that the future transformation he wants to do in you, he wants to do now, start now. And that you have a future eternal home waiting for you as well. Will you look to his return? And again, as I said, I think to close out, I think no better way than for us to approach Jesus in praise by looking back to the resurrection as we did last week and looking forward to Jesus' return by singing the song in Christ alone. If you pay attention to the words in that song, it is looking back to his resurrection, the hope he gives to us, and then the hope of his return that gives us the hope in the present. And I think the way to enter in his presence is through praise. And it does a change in us. In fact, there's this uh, card that uh, Joni Troxell actually just gave to me this morning. And I thought, this is very appropriate as we're closing out our time together. And there's a quote that says this, When you enter his presence with praise... He enters your circumstances with power. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I want us to approach Jesus' praise. And we're going to sing this song in Christ alone together. But will you bow your head and pray with me? Lord Jesus... We're looking to you. Because only in you do you give us hope. You give us hope. And so right now, Lord, as we enter into your presence with praise, we can know that you enter our circumstances with power. Because we see the power of your promise of a future eternal home with you. The power of the promise of a future transformation and the power of you wanting to do that in the midst of us now. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to enter into praising you. Praising you. And will you meet us here right now? Because, Jesus, you're our only hope. In Jesus' name, amen.